You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey, Earth Station One listeners, welcome to another episode. That's right, folks. It's time to get your gold medallions and get ready to guard your dogs with your lives because we're about to talk about John Wick. That's right. The world around him, what, you know, came out of the three movies that he's done so far, and there will be a fourth. So, you know, just, you know, don't hurt his car, don't hurt his pups, and definitely don't bomb his house. You know, that's just things to get onto his bad side. And, you know, I don't know what would you have to do to get onto his good side, but I know a man who probably could wish him a good howdy. Let's say hey to Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. You ready to take on John Wick? Are, are you sure you want to do this? Are you out of retirement, John? Are you? <laughs> I mean, I mean, we do run the risk by, you know, what they, they say, the, 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 the power, the biggest power that the boogeyman has is that everybody like knows his name. Mm-hmm. It's like, so, so, you know, we are going to get deep into talking about uh, the whole franchise spoilers and all. So if you have not seen any of the John Wick movies um, or the subsequent other material, we will be talking about all that stuff. Uh, Mike said that, as Mike said, there is a fourth and a fifth movie uh, coming out as well as a TV series called um, the, the continental Yep. Uh, which is going to be on uh, stars, I believe later this year, I think maybe next year. I'm not sure. They don't really have a date I heard, yet. On I heard it was something around October, November they were shooting for. Yeah. Yeah. So I know it's currently in production now. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot of like, you know, no, there isn't just movies anymore. There's franchises. <laughs> so, and John Wick is a franchise. So, uh, so we felt like we would, uh, talk all about it now. And then, therefore, when the new stuff comes out, we will be up to date and, uh, talk about that stuff as it comes out as well. Oh, very much so. And we also have James back with us. Welcome, sir. Hello, hello, hello. How's everybody doing? Good. And are you ready to, you know, protect your life from the boogeyman himself? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I got everything ready. Hopefully, I can hold him off. But according to the movies, I probably have slim to zero chance. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, that sounds look about good. right. <laughs> what, is this, what does the eight ball say? Outlook grim. <laughs> that sounds about right. That totally sounds about right for all three of us. But we definitely would love to hear from you guys. Are you ready to take on John Wick? Write us feedback at earthstation1.com. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. You know, tell us where you, you know, rank with this. Did you love the movies? Did you not? Or did you even see them? You know, it's going to be a lot of fun. We got a great crew to talk all about it. So, Definitely write us. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. Also, big shout out to our patrons. Want to say howdy and hope you guys are doing well over there. And thank you for supporting the ESO network. And you too can help support ESO for as little as a dollar a month. That's right. Only a dollar a month. And you get exclusive material for, you know, kind of cool stuff, including, you know, episodes of our shows early, um, podcasts made exclusively for our patrons. And, you know, it's pretty cool. You even get some swag if you go up to one of the higher levels. We have a dollar level, $5 level, $10 level, 
$15. We're ready to introduce the new gold medallion level too. So, you know, and you will be visited personally by John Wick. It'll be pretty oh, cool. I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have to see, just, you know, be nice to his dog. That's all we ask on that. But yes, you too can also be a patron. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. Also, let's say hi to our friends over at Tifosi Optical. Tifosi Optical is here for all your sunglasses needs. You can get your own colors, your own frames. You could get your prescriptions. It's pretty cool what Tifosi Optics does. And yes, you too can take a, f- a gander at it. And as a special thank you, Tifosi Optics has given us a coupon code for Earth Station One. And yes, you can get 10% off your whole order. Not just one pair of glasses, but your whole order. Go to TifosiOptics.com tell them Earth Station One sent you. Pretty darn awesome. And now we're here with our new friend, John Anthony. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, welcome to the station. Um, for those people who may not be familiar with what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am an independent filmmaker, a writer, director, and actor. Wow, that's a that's an awesome uh, thing to. How do you get that on that little business card, though? That's <laughs> right, right. Yeah. How did the tell us a little bit about your story? When did it? When did that start? That that uh, the acting bug, or was it the writing bug? Which came actually, first? it was the acting bug, and it, it, it's kind of a funny story because I started late. I'm 58 years old now. And, um, I'm a teacher and a, and a coach by day. And, um, my wife works from home and, uh, she's been my biggest supporter. You know, um, she, uh, reads over all my work and everything and makes sure all my typing and everything. I don't have any misspelled words and everything, which I always seem to do. But, um, when we got married, you know, eight years ago, well, actually longer than that, we're 10 years ago. Um, I, I, it was like over the summer and I said, I got up one morning. I said, Hey, let's go see a movie. We go like 1030, get a good deal on a matinee. And when she looks at me and goes, I'm working, you have to find something that you want to do. <laughs> she goes, you've got your summers off. So I said, okay. And she goes, you always talked about wanting to, you know, do some acting and stuff like that. Because I used to be in an improv group for about uh, three or four years here in Dallas and then um, stopped doing that. And, uh, then just kind of started taking acting classes and really liked it and jumped around from a couple of different teachers and then um, really um, locked into one of these um, teachers that I that I really had really, really learned so much from. And he kind of got me on the writing bug because he was one that then said, hey, you know, if you guys ever want to write your own scripts, feel free. And the very first script that I ever wrote, I, you know, because in, in class, generally, you, they give you like the script from a movie or a show or something that you go and you act it out. But he gave us the ability to go in and actually write our own stuff. And I'll never forget the first time I wrote something, I was outside with this really talented uh, actress and we're going over the stuff and, and I had written it and she's like, where did this come from? And I'm like, Oh, um, and in the tone, I was kind of like, Oh, she doesn't like it. And I go, why? And she's like, well, um, there's so many typos. And that just like struck me like, okay. Um, the gig is up. I said, uh, I found it on the internet somewhere. So we go in, we do the scene we do the scene in class and my teacher just like, that was, that was really, really good. Um, I thought the acting was very, very good. You guys were really, really real. Where did that come from? And she goes, and she goes, well, he said he found it on the internet. He's, and my teacher goes, well, where? I said, well, actually I wrote it. She's like, why didn't you say something? I said, well, because there were so many typos, I got afraid to say that it was mine. <laughs> but when, but when, but when it went over really, really well, I was kind of, you know, and then ever since then, 
I just started writing my own um, scenes for class. Probably about ninety percent of the time, I'd go to class with something that I'd written, and then took some of those and started turning them into short films. Um, one of my very first short films, I actually did a scene in class, and there was a friend of mine in there, and really, really talented actor. He's like, you know, you can make this a short film. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you got a beginning, you got a middle, and you got an end. I'll tell you what, I'll direct it for you. We'll put it together and see how see how it goes. And that was the first film that I ever did. It was called A Gift and um, went out and put it in some um, some uh, film festivals and, and did fairly well. So and then after that, it was just like, this is my thing, man. I, you know, I love to write. You know, for me as a writer, it's 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 always like to surround myself with great actors and have these actors, you know, portray these people and have them come to life. So it was definitely acting first and then the writing aspect of it came right after that. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's and so you were. Um, did that see? That it sounded like that came naturally to you. There were just stories you wanted to tell. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's funny because there's a lot of times too, and you know, um, God bless Siri on our i our iPhones now because I'd be like leaving work or, or coming home and coming home from class, you know, acting class, and and I get in something in my head, and I like Siri take this note and, you know, whatever the note is, then I'd come home and I just start writing. You know, sometimes I'd come home from class and next thing I know it's like two in the morning and I'm still writing. Like, my gosh, I got to get up in four and a half hours to go to work. I got to stop. But yeah, it just, it just, um, you know, I had these ideas and, and for a lot of them, there was always, my wife used to give me a hard time because like, there was always like someone would die in in one of the scenes. And even my acting coach, she's like, who's dying today, John? I'm like, Mm, there's nobody dying today. It's all good. No one's going <laughs> to die today. But it was, yeah, you know, it's it's just, I, I love to sit down and write. In fact, you know, I was writing uh, yesterday and, and I sat down and then, you know, before I know it, it was like five o'clock and then, you know, was going over some stuff and just started writing. And then before I knew it, it was like, you know, almost seven thirty, eight o'clock. I'm like, man, I, I didn't even think I was writing that long, you know, but you just kind of get, you know, for from writers, you just kind of get on like a little, you get in the zone where it's just like, you can't stop. The uh, looking at the subject of a lot of the shorts that you've written, they do seem very grounded. Uh, they do seem very um, character based. Um, uh, I haven't had the privilege to see any of them yet, but they seem like they're they're really personal too. I mean, outside of looks like you've done a couple of about like mob and hitmen. Yeah, yeah. big big <laughs> so, David Chase fan. Uh, so. I, I, I'm I'm not going to ask you how personal those might be. <laughs> I think if you do, you might not be coming back again. That's the problem. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna. I don't want to. I don't want to sleep with the fishes. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, yeah, if you see a car pull up, and you know, just don't worry about it. Um, no. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, ever it's, again. Um, it, it's kind of it's it's just kind of like one of those things like where I'll get this vision in my head about a character, and it, and then it's just like I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll start and I'll sit down and I'll, and I'll just start writing. Um, you know, uh, I love not lost is the last one of the, the last short films that we shot right before the the pandemic and all that stuff. And that's done really, really well. And it was a character that I based off of the scene that I did in class. He's he's kind of like kind of Rain Man ish kind of um, I don't know if you ever saw the movie. I am Sam with Sean Penn, um, mm-hmm. you know, who is just he's phenomenal. One of my favorite actors. Um, and it's just I, I took this scene and and, and just kind of developed it. Um, and, and ended up creating it into this short film. And, um, it was kind of funny because after I, after I had, had created the film and we shot the film and everything, I have a good friend of mine. Um, she just like, I think this film's going to do something. 
And I'm like, I don't know, because I'm, I'm like, I'm like my worst critic, you know, it's just always just like, hey, do you like it? You know, what I mean, I have a couple films where it's like, I won't even I don't even show anybody because I'm like, no, I'm not even putting that out there. And, you know, it, it did very, very well. And I was, you know, I was, I was really, really pleased with it. But, you know, a lot of the characters, they're, they're more so. I don't know if it really, you know, anything that happened in my life, but it's just kind of like stuff that just kind of like comes to me. It's just, you know, and then, of course, you know, when you had mentioned like the the mob guy movies that, you know, I'm a big Sopranos guy. You know, I I, I love mm-hmm. David Chase. I think he's he's phenomenal. Um and, you know, both Rookies and A Family Matter were both kind of on the, on the you know, the mob tale of, of short films. Rookies is about 10 minutes. Um, family Matter is about 23 minutes. Um, and actually, Family Matter, I'm actually taking that story and going to develop the characters more and put them in, put that into a feature film and work on that. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just kind of like there's so many, my head just keeps spinning all the time. And it's just like, you know, like I said, thank God for Siri, because I'll get something in my mind. I'm just like, hey. Here's a story about this. Write it down. Or even if, you know, I'm watching TV and something comes to me, I'll just I'll get up and write it on a piece of paper and, you know, just pray to God that I find that piece of paper sometimes because my wife like, hey, what's this say? It's just something about a mob. guy. Oh, I needed that. You know, and he's like, don't throw that away. That was that was that was uh, something I'm working on. So <laughs> um, I also noticed, too, that at least as far as all the shorts that you've been doing, um, you have been not only the actor, but you are writing and directing mm-hmm. all of almost all of them. Um, that's a heavy load, right? To be working uh, like in in, on, in in a lot of ways. Now, on the one hand, it gets you you know in order to get to know the character and project, you know it really well, better than anybody. But on the other hand, now, like I said, that's a pretty heavy load for uh, that you're taking on yourself for these. Yeah, right? it is. But you know, the, here's here's one of the reasons why is because like you know I I. I you know, I have an agent here in Dallas and, 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 um, you know, it's just like, as you get older, there's not a lot of roles for, you know, guys 58, you know, you're not going to, you know, Hey, we need a, you know, we need this or, you know, we, we need that. So it was probably several years ago when, after I did the, my first film, I just said, you know what, if there's nothing for me, I'm going to create my own stuff. I'm going to write, I'm going to direct, I'm going to put myself in stuff. And I even told my agent here in Dallas, I said, look, I said, I know that so much of it is based on a look and that's, you know, that's what I, you know, try to get out to just, you know, people who wanting to act and, and everything. You can go in and kill an audition, but if you don't have that right look, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you can sit there and go, Oh my gosh, you were phenomenal, but you know what? You're just not the look that we're looking for. So, you know, like when I go in on an audition, I just go in, I do my job and then I leave. But what I told my agent, I said, I'm not going to rest on my laurels or your laurels. You just sit there and, you know, maybe, send me an audition here or send me an audition here. I'm like, I'm going to create my own stuff. And, you know, I encourage all actors to do that stuff. And, you know, I have a good friend of mine. He's an actor. He just wrote his first short film and it did really, really well. So it's just like create your own stuff, get your name out there, you know, because it's just like you said, if, if, you know, don't sit back and wait for something to come to you, go out there and create your own stuff and get your name out there or just, you know, work on your trait. And one of the good things too, is I have the ability to, surround myself with so many great actors in my acting class. It's just like, I never hold auditions. It's just like, I, I would call somebody, Hey, I got a role. Um, you want to play this mob guy? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. And then they, you know, they come in and, you know, they, you know, they get footage for the real, they get, you know, whatever else they need. Um, and it's just like, you know, you, we, we become this really close knit family where we come out, we, we just start making films together. 
I would imagine that a lot of the another reason that uh, you are making a lot of uh, films that are are centered and, and grounded very much is just because economically that that means that they'll be easier to to, to complete. Oh, right? 100%, 100%, 100%, percent. Yeah, and you know, you know, the other thing too is is um, I just I, I finished the feature um, several about two years ago, and it it's just been you know I've, I wrote it a couple of times and with rewrites and everything. And that's one of my projects that I'm working on right now is just getting that to get in the right hands of a production company. Um, and it's, and it's entitled by the name of Walter. And it's a story about an elder, an elderly man who befriends a young boy, but it's, it's, it's a family movie. And, you know, I was talking to someone the other day, you go to the movie theater, there's not a lot of family movies out there. That genre has kind of like been pushed aside. You know, you've got that, you know, the, the superheroes and the horror movies are always going to still be there, but like a, like a movie that you could take your four year old, your eight year old, your twenty year old, your grandma and grandpa, they're really not out there anymore. So, so one of my focuses too is to to bring back as much as I can, you know, the the family type movies that that I think have been missing for a long time. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and I find that most people, uh, the you know, there's. I find there's uh, two folks that are, are, are in the business and you have ones that just want to produce what everybody else is doing and sort of cash in on that. And then there's other people who are actively trying to produce material that they want to see that there's not enough right. of. Uh, and, and, and I obviously the latter is one that I, I think is, is more groundbreaking and more effective, um, you know, um, and it looks like that's the path that you're on as well. Um, but speaking of paths, I do see here uh, when I was doing uh, looking at the IMDP page, it says that you were a professional wrestler at one point. Is that, is uh, that true? Who put that on there? Um, I don't know how that. <laughs> I, I have no idea who, how that got on there. Uh, oh, brother, we're in for it now. <laughs> uh, yeah, for about for about two and a half, three years. It, it, it's a crazy story. But, yeah, it was um, for about two and a half, three years. I was I was a professional wrestler down here in, in, in Texas, um, underneath, uh, under, under my friend's organization that he, that he, uh, came out and, and, uh, promoted for a while. So, so was that, was that before you got serious, more serious? Oh yeah. Acting? Cause there's a lot of the same like performance. Yeah, tools no, I, you use, I, absolutely. Right? It was, it was in the early nineties and it was, you know, um, he, he had cut, he had moved here, and we met each other when we were um, we were teach- we were both teaching and uh, became great friends. And and he's still doing it now. It's um, he, I think his I don't know what it's called, but he's out in Atlanta now. And he has he's got a small like mm-hmm. wrestling organization. But it was one of those things where we originally started it, and we we trained with um, a former uh, big time Texas wrestler. Um, he used to wrestle with Von Erichs and all that stuff back then. By the name of uh, oh, yeah. Steve, well, yeah, Texas, yeah, right? Steve Simpson, and and, and, <laughs> he, and he came and he taught us some stuff, and and then you know, then we we did it as a fundraiser at first, and then he got into it. And he's just like, man, he goes, let's let's, you know, I I think I'm going to make this an organization. I said, okay, but it was funny because it's like, you know, I I probably out of all my matches, which might have been like I don't know, maybe 25, 30 matches in the time. I think I wrestled him 18 out of the 20 times because he was like the only one, you know, because it's just like, I, you know, I'm like. All right, you know, not that I don't trust anybody else, but th- there was one time when I, you know, I was doing a, uh, we had a tag team match, and I and I hit this guy wrong, and uh, and partially tore my bicep, and and at the end it was like sitting up on my shoulder, oh. and and he just like, can you still go? And I'm like, I'm going home. 
know, <laughs> I can go, I can yeah, go, yeah, go exactly. home. <laughs> but you know, it, 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 it was fun. And, you know, ever since I was a kid, I was a big wrestling fan. I mean, growing up as a kid in, in Southern California, my dad, um, he took me to the Olympic auditorium, which was, you know, way back in the day when like Ernie Ladd and John Tolis and these old, you know, these way back wrestlers back as a kid. And every Friday night I would sit there and watch channel 13 in, in Southern California. And I'd watch wrestling from like eight to 10 with a with a Coke and a big old bag of pretzels and just watching on my dad's little 13 inch color TV and just loved it. And ever since then, I've always <laughs> been a fan. Wow. Wow. Well, the, yeah, I think next month the wrestling world is def- this. Everybody is descending on on Dallas. So yeah, WrestleMania. Uh, be knee deep. Yeah, right? WrestleMania. Yeah, exactly with WrestleMania. Of course, all the independents come and do their thing as well. And and so yeah, just set up a table, have some eight by tens. You'll, you'll do <laughs> <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> well, hey, I don't know who you uh, are, but did you only wrestle one guy? That's me. I'm the one guy wrestler. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. You know, that's fine. There's somebody. I bet you there's somebody who remembers you. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's really cool. Um, so, um, you know, uh, now that we found out sort of what you what you've been working on, uh, let's find out what you're passionate about, Mike. I think I think he's ready for it now. He does have some like you know some physical pro wrestling experience, so go go easy on him. Oh, I, I definitely don't want to get clotheslined tonight. I have too many. <laughs> exactly. You know, I've, I've walked out too many bars to that. You know, just too many. Yeah, times. exactly right. So, yeah, no, 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 no. So I will be kind of nice and gentle, but, you know. <laughs> the geek seat does. Exactly. I, the geek seat has a, a mind of its own. It's good. It's bad. You never know. So, all right. John, are you ready for your first question in the geek seat? I am ready for my first question. What was your favorite geek out moment, man? My geek out moment? Yeah. Oh, man. Um. And this could be at any point in time, right? It could be any time. This is your segment. You could do whatever you want. It could be it could be what you had for lunch, or it could be when you were born. You know, it doesn't actually, matter. It, it was probably actually when when the minute my dad took me home from seeing Rocky when we lived upstate New York, I literally went on and put on some boxing gloves and was just ready to just like destroy the world. And oh, that's put, awesome. you know, put, put you know, put the heads, you know, the cassette in, and and, I, and every time. You know, I mean, everybody does that. You know, they want to run the steps, so they sit there, and you know, it was just—that's my favorite movie of all time, by the way. But it was just that I, I just, you know, I want my whole thing was that I, I wanted to be Rocky Balboa. That was, and I don't know if it's really a geek thing, but it just—that's kind of was, was my thing. Is the minute I came home, I'm like, this is who I'm going to be. And of course, you know, yeah, I know that's totally yeah. <laughs> we know where that went, so there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. What was your most disappointing geek out moment? Um, most disappointing geek out moment, um, would, would getting stood up on your prom being a geek out moment? Sure. Yeah. So, so I had, I had met this girl and she was from Spokane. I was living in Oregon at the time and my best friend had met her friend and they were supposed to come down for, uh, for the prom. And we went to the prom and they had called us and said, Hey, look, we missed our bus. And my buddy was like, what are we going to do? He goes, and you know, we got tuxes on. I said, we're still going. And he's like, what? And I said, yeah, so we're still going. So we go to the prom and we stood by the girl's bathroom. So when people would come up, Hey, where's your day? Oh, they're in the bathroom. They're in the bathroom. And then we had a good friend of ours. She comes up, she goes, Hey, where are those girls from Spokane? You're supposed to go out with. I said, Oh, they're in the bathroom. She goes in the bathroom. She comes out. She goes, there's nobody here. You don't even have dates. Do you? 
And I go, yeah, we kind of got stood up. It wasn't like the best time of all. So I don't know. Oh, that was probably like the, you know, a geek out thing, I guess. I don't know. Well, it's most disappointing. Mm. I could understand yeah, very, that. Cause very disappointing. you were something you were totally looking forward to. And then it just got blown out. Yeah. So. Sorry, dude. What geeks you out the most? Um, give me your definition of geek again. So I want to be, I want to make sure that I'm on the right path here. You could, geek is whatever you want to make out of it. We basically okay. have, a t- we have a t-shirt that says basically geek equals passion. So it's whatever um, you're passionate about. So, okay. you know, you could be geek, geek out about your acting career. You could geek out about a role you've done or something you've written. Hell, okay. you could geek out about a pastrami sandwich I had last week. For, you know. <laughs> How was so, it? Was it good? <laughs> oh, it was delicious. It was amazing. So what was the question again? What geeks you out the most? Geeks me out the most. Wow. Um, I think writing, my writing. I mean, you know, I just, I, I, I just love to write. I love to create. I love to create stories. I love to see my stories come to life. Um, you know, I love to, um, you know, the whole production aspect of it, of finding music that goes with the certain scenes and, and, you know, making sure that the music's right at the certain time, you know, because music is so key in so many films. It can bring tears. It can bring joy. You know, it can bring sadness, you know, energy, whatever it is. Definitely, I'd have to say my, my, my biggest geek out thing right now is my writing, for sure. Oh, I totally understand that. What turns your geek off, though? Um, what turns my geek off? I would have to say um, would probably be uh, not, 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 not to my writing, though, just like what turns my geek off kind of thing. Is yeah. that you're kind of asking? Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me is when my wife and I go to dinner and I see a mom and dad and their two kids and every single one of them is on a device because nobody knows how to communicate with each other anymore. That just, that bothers me because I mean, they, they don't know how to say hello. They don't know how to talk to each other. Kids are always on their devices, you know, husband's second his phone, wife's texting, stuff like that. Um, so, so my wife and I, we always make it apparent where we go to dinner, like either we're, one of us doesn't bring our phone or one phone's turns off or, you know, we just have hers or whatever in case there's an emergency or something like that. But, you know, it's, it's just so many people today don't know how to talk anymore. It's, you know, everything is all, you know, Hey, I'm going to text you. I'm going to TikTok. you know, and in, in the social media aspect, I mean, it's just like the community, so many people have lost the ability to communicate with each other no, in person, I should say. I agreed. But, you know, at the same time, when my son was little and we didn't want him to hear what we were talking about, we would text. We'd be sitting on the <laughs> couch and texting to each other <laughs> and everything. No, too. I, I, I get that. In fact, you know, one of my one of my one of my classes I was teaching, I, I had I said, has social media influenced our youth? And my students were like, no way, coach. There's no way. No way. I said. And I said, really? I said, go get your phone. And of course, they're not allowed to have their phones at school. So they went in. They said, am I going to get in trouble? I said, no, just go get your phone. So they go get your phone. I said, how many apps are on your phone? One of the kids goes, I have 192. I said, tell me social media hasn't influenced you in any way. And she's like, but I don't use them all anymore. I go, yeah, but still, you had them at one point in time. And That's I said, it's, you know, it's, it just, it just, I think it's just, for me, it's just sad when you go and you just, you see families that don't really talk. You know, everybody's doing something rather than communicating with each other. No, totally understand that. Um, what fictional character would you like to meet the most? 
Wow. I'd probably say it's a tie between um, uh, Rocky Balboa, of course. Of course. His name's uh, come up before. I've heard it. (laughs) And then um, (laughs) I would definitely. um, Oh, wow. Um, um, Tony Soprano. I would love to meet Tony. James Gandolfini or Tony Soprano himself. No, Tony Soprano. Um, and then, of course, and, and I'm going to date myself, but um, even the guy, the big thing from HR Puff and stuff. I don't remember what the guy's name was. It was a giant, big old dude with the. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. Oh yeah, was, that's actually Puff and stuff himself. Yeah, or Puff and stuff. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Oh, you're not dating yourself with us. Don't worry. <laughs> you know? So you, we totally understand that. That's very cool. What fictional character would you not like to meet, though? Oh, fictional character I would not like to meet. Um, let's see. Uh, Dracula. Well, that sucks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dracula, yeah. Godzilla, well, maybe. Well, it would be over real quick if you met Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. So. Totally understand that. You might have a little bit better chance with Dracula. So, yeah. Either that or he'd hypnotize you into eating bugs or something. Yeah, know? something like that. So, totally understand that. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Um, let's see. Favorite geek word, phrase, or pose? Um, I would probably say, um, man, I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, my students would say it's be quiet, but that's just, you know, because that's, <laughs> you know, you say that all the time, coach, be quiet. It be works. Quiet. It yeah, works. Exactly, right. Um, I think my, um, God, you know what? I don't know if I have one, to be honest. I'm sorry. I don't know if I have a favorite phrase that are, that I use or anything like that. Okay. You don't have a mannerism or something you say in your everyday conversation? Um, no, not really. I okay. really don't. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Down that one for you guys. Sorry. <laughs> oh, God. What is your ideal geek occupation? Um, ideal would be to, uh, to write and direct, to be a full-time writer and director. That would, that would be ideal for me. And if, you know, if I could, uh, if I could do that or actually, you know, if I, if I could write and direct Morgan Freeman in a film, then I would, I'd just, I, my life would be set. My, my, that would be my dream come true. Totally so. understand that. Hell, if I would love Morgan Freeman to read our commercial or something, you know what? <laughs> I think that would be awesome. Read a promo for ESO. I, wouldn't it, I would wouldn't be, it be awesome. Boy. Yeah. yeah that, I just, that, he's, he's, he's phenomenal. That or Sam Jackson, you know. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, I could go either way. There you go. But I'd have to bleep a lot on that one, so <laughs> it would be okay. What geek occupation would you not like to do? Um, anything with surgery. I mean, any type of doctor in surgery. I can't even like when you know. Even if I'm watching stuff on TV, I can't even watch it. My wife will be like, "It's TV." I said, "I know. I just can't. I can't see things get like." cut open or bleeding now if it's myself i have no problem but if it's something i see on tv i can't 
any and that and with needles or anything else, you know, and like nurse given shots or stuff, I I just turn away. I just so, I can't. So no tattoos or anything for you. No, no tattoos. Way. I got I got enough scars on my body that that's those those are my tattoos. So I do understand <laughs> that completely. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So, but you were a wrestler. You must have gotten cut once or twice. Oh, yeah, more than once or twice. Yeah, forehead. Uh, now, the, but these were like because I got thrown in, you know, to something. It wasn't like you know. You were um, blade. You didn't blade. Yes. Anything no, like I did not blade. So, um, yeah, and I, I remember when I got hit in the head with a chair, and my and my the buddy who I was wrestling, he's like, "Oh, you're bleeding." I said, "I know, but it looks good." And so, but it, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but at the same time, it was it was, uh, yeah. He wore the crimson That's mask. Right. That's right. That is awesome. All right, John, you ready for your final question in the geek seat? I am ready. All right. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? Um, my ultimate geek fantasy would be to have dinner with Helen Mirren and Morgan Freeman. I know that probably sounds a little weird, but I just, I just, you know, it's, that's, it's that's kind of like a bucket list thing for me to meet those two and actually just sit down and have dinner with them. I think that would be my, the ultimate thing for me in my life. I just, I'm just, you know, I know, I know a lot of it's, you know, the acting and, and the filming stuff, but it's just, that would be a, a dream come true for me. No, I totally respect that dude. That's really yeah. awesome. Well, John, I've got some great news for you. You've made it through the geek seat. Congratulations. (laughs) Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young man what he's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $68.04. Oh, that's awesome. It's uh, it's been great having you join us. Um, for those people who want to follow either what you have done before, before and check that stuff out, or what you're doing, where should they go on? Okay, so right now they can go. Well, the website we're upgrading, but they can go to JDA all capitals JDAfilms.com. That's the website. Um, you can go to uh, John D Anthony Actor on Facebook, and then also my IMDb page. Just you know, John Anthony. Okay, we will have links to those in our show notes so that uh, people can check you out. And certainly, as you have other projects coming up, please feel free to come back. And you don't have to do the Geek Seat again, <laughs> but feel come to come back. And we'd love to have you uh, help promote. Thanks so much. And you know what? I'll send you guys some links to some of those films if you want to check them out. And, you know, I'd love to just kind of get what you think. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, definitely. Be glad to. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Let's take a quick break. And we'll be back in a moment. And we are going to be looking at the world of John Wick. This is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. There's not a whole lot that's new in the theaters, so that means it's still a great time. If you haven't seen The Batman yet, definitely go see it. And even if you've already seen it, it's worth going to see in the theaters again. I enjoyed it just a month as much the second time and picked up on some things that I had missed and was really able to pay attention to little details like foreshadowing the cinematography. Very much enjoyed it. Highly recommend going to see it again. There is some new stuff on streaming 
on Disney Plus, the animated film Turning Red. I thought it was a nice treat that this movie dropped on Disney Plus. I do feel sad for the theme, uh, the filmmakers who are probably hoping for a theatrical release. And then if it drops just on streaming, I feel like that loses a little bit of the prestige. But for subscribers of Disney Plus, it was nice to have something new at home to watch with my daughter. And it's a cute movie. It's about a girl who finds out that she has inherited the magical ability to turn into a panda when her emotions get out of control. I enjoyed it. I wouldn't say it's up there by any means with some of Pixar's greatest movies like Toy Story and WALL-E, but it's a fun time. I enjoyed watching it. It also was great to kind of go back to my early 2000s nostalgia and boy bands. So it's, it's a fun movie to watch. And also new on streaming, we have The Adam Project starring Ryan Reynolds. And this one is over on Netflix. It looks kind of fun. I definitely want to see it. It's about a time traveler who ends up teaming up with his younger self on a mission to save the future. And it has a great cast in addition to Ryan Reynolds, Jennifer Garner, Zoe Saldana. So I'm looking forward to watching that on streaming as well. That's it for this week's Box Office Buzz. If you're looking for more entertainment content, be sure to check out my blogs over on the ESO Podcast website. Nerd Bliss. What is Nerd Bliss? Nerd Bliss is a pop culture podcast for passionate people. Join Chris, Tina, Eric, and Heath as they talk about popular movies, TV shows, and whatever's current in the news. And we might even have a few laughs along the way. Find us at nerdblisspodcast.com or esonetwork.com. I'm up. I'm up. You like that, huh? Nice ride. Thanks. How much? Excuse me? How much for the car? She's not for sale. You have good day, sir. Daisy. I lost everything. That dog was a final gift from my dying wife. Jonathan. You got out once. You dip so much as a pinky back into this pond, you may find something reaching out to pull you back in. It's personal. Where'd you get that car? What does it matter? It's not what you did, son. It's who you did it to. Nobody? That nobody. No, just sorting some stuff out. Task your crew. How many? As many as you have. Hey, John. I thought I'd let myself in. People keep asking if I'm back. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. 
I'm not afraid of John Wick. Uh-huh. How good's your laundry? No one's that good. I thought not. Hey everyone, welcome back to our station one. Now it's time to get your gear together, start running through the city and hoping that John Wick is not going to ever catch up with you because folks, we got a lot to talk about tonight. And so Mr. Mike, do we have our room ready at the hotel and do you have your gold volumes ready too? I have serviced. I will be in service. Excellent. But, you know, when are you going into retirement again? <laughs> again, right? Um, not anytime soon, unfortunately, for everybody. Uh, but we've got some great folks to help us all talk about the ever-expanding world of John Wick. Uh, we've got two guys who've been with us, uh, who haven't been with us for actually quite some time. Too, too long a time. Uh, our good friend John McCarthy is back. Hi, guys. How are you? I, I think we couldn't do a story about that took place mainly in New York without you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I broke the, the, the foundation on my playroom, and I've got a few goodies ready to go. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, and we also have with us uh, Rob Levy. It's, again, it's been way too long since you've been on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, uh, a lot to talk about. I mean, we've got uh, this franchise started in 2014. God, it's almost been, you know, we're working on 10 years now, uh, which is just mind-boggling to me. Um, there's been three movies, video games, uh, comic books. Uh, there's a fourth movie that's being produced right now. There's going to be a fifth movie, they've said. Um, so there's a lot to unpack here. This world keeps expanding. There's a TV series that's going to be debut maybe, I think, in the fall. So um, a lot of stuff to unpack here. But I want to find out how you guys started. Like, where did you guys start with John Wick? What's you, what was your, like, uh, first introduction? Was it the first film? Did you see it in the theater? John, what about you? How long have you been uh, seeing John Wick? I wasn't... Um... I wasn't on board right away. I think it came and went to the theaters, the first movie, before I actually, uh, uh, I think I bought it, um, based upon other people's recommendations. And I loved it, and I since went out and bought two and three, and I'm waiting for four. Mm-hmm. You know, the um, fast pace, the style, the, uh, it just, it's a great franchise. And it, it's, it's over-the-top violent, but it's not, it's like comic book violence. It's not, you know... Doesn't really hit you over the head that much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob, what about you? What was your introduction to the John Wick universe? So I did see it uh, in a theater uh, the week it came out, and it, it, I went into it with no previous knowledge of what it was going to be about. Um, it's one of those rare times where I went to a movie and the trailer looked interesting, so I thought I'd go to the see the movie, uh, which doesn't happen very much today, and. Um, I went to uh, the local multiplex and saw it at 10 in the morning, and uh, it was great. Made my whole day, and uh, I've been hooked ever since. Nice, nice. Yeah, this was one of those movies that just sort of came out of nowhere um, and uh, went on to – now, of course, we can't just have one successful movie. Nope. If it's a success, you have to build a franchise around it, and you know that's what they've done so far. Uh, and we'll talk about the success, the highs and lows of that. Uh, but James, what about you? What uh, what was your introduction in John Wick? 
Well, it's actually kind of interesting. Um, I, I guess maybe lack of publicity or maybe I was busy or whatever. I didn't even know it came out to theaters. And I actually walked into my friend's house a few months after it came out and it was on. And I kind of jumped in halfway through the movie. And I'm like, what the heck is going What, 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 what? And then I had to go back. I bought it, watched it all and kind of fell in love with it. And uh, and have you seen any of the others in the theater? No, I've not seen any of the others in the theater. Uh, just I, there's other things that were, that were out. I'd really, sure. you know, we, we'll talk about it later. But, you know, the, the sequels and, you know, fair comparison to the first one. So I was like, you know what? Let me go ahead and wait to see if they came up when they come out on video and watch them then. Gotcha. John, have you seen any of these in the theater? I saw three. Oh, you saw the third one in the theater. And yeah. Rob, did you continue to see them in the theater? Yeah, I I did. I'm one of those last weird dinosaurs that prefers to go sit in a movie theater and see a movie. Um, and with these, just the way they were filmed and the way they looked, it just seemed like a thing that needed to be big and, and filmic for mm-hmm. me. I have seen them each streaming since then. And uh, it's still a terrific experience, but I'm old and I like going to the pictures. <laughs> Mike, what about you? What was your introduction to the John Wick universe, the JWU? Well, for me, actually, it only started about a year ago. And I literally, you know, I just, I had heard about John Wick. I heard, oh, just don't kill the puppy. Whatever you do, don't kill the puppy. And, you know, I had, you know, seen people dress as John Wick. I've seen, you know, parody videos of it and, you know, things like that. But I just never decided to go see it. And about a year ago, it was streaming on one of the channels. And so I said, okay, let's watch it. And I was riveted right from the very beginning and loved it. Everything. It was so, it felt like I was watching a live action video game. And it was like, and I had not seen number two or three until recently. And it was just like, I was like, like, this is a video game. This is just a, you know, you're seeing a point of view, you know, from behind the character's back and watching it, but you're controlling John Wick and, you know, you're fighting and just making it to the big bosses and everything literally over and over again. And it was very formulaic and it was, it was great. There was nothing about it that I did disliked. The first one was great. Second one was world building to me. And then the third one was just, it was just awesome. And it was just like, it was just like, okay, how many people can he kill? And I want to see if anyone here has actually taken numbers of how many bodies are, you know, has he taken out in these movies? Yeah, that's, I, I started don't, doing that the first one. Then I, I got sidetracked and didn't go back. Yeah, I don't. I know it's too many. Too many. That's all. I, know. I, I would lose count. I can't. I can't do math like that. That's too complicated. <laughs> um, and it's just. It's just a lot. So, um, yeah. I mean, I. I didn't see. I don't. I haven't seen any of them in theater. Uh, the first one I did. I did not see in the theater. But of course, the word of mouth on it was really positive. Um, the first time I watched it, actually, I was on a plane. I was going from uh, East Coast to West Coast. And so there was a, you know, I thought, well, I may, let me watch a movie or so. And I started to watch a movie. I can't remember what the movie was, but I started to watch a different movie. And I couldn't really understand. I couldn't really hear the dialogue very well. So I thought, hmm, let me pick a movie where the dialogue's really not going to be terribly important. And so I picked John Wick. And 
and and I had a blast watching it. Uh, and you know, I went back and watched it again after that uh, when I got home uh, at some point because I wanted to. I did actually want to hear what they were saying better. But you know, I mean, between all the action and Keanu Reeves, you know, being a in this particular role, uh, he's not really a big vocal guy. So I, I realized that uh, it was a, a good choice to see on a plane. Uh, but, uh, um, all right. So that's our experience. Um, let me ask you a little bit deeper now that first movie, um, sort of got everybody's attention. It's one of those movies that I think, you know, a lot of us that are, you know, eighties kids or whatever, we, we, we can remember the movies coming out that were kind of original that kind of sparked something, things like Highlander, or uh, Blade in some ways, even though that was a comic book thing. Um, movies that kind of just came out of nowhere and then went on to become like, you know, franchises. Um, and we hadn't really seen that in the last 10 years because, as Rob, I think you alluded to, a lot of things are just property-based. Like they, the Hollywood wants to bring a property together rather than do something original. Um, mm-hmm. And this is like a... This was like a, you know, it doesn't have a huge budget, but it was made by some very talented people, uh, guys who directed their movie for the first time, even though they had a lot of experience directing. Uh, the guy who wrote the script, I think this is his first feature-length script as well. So um, you've got a lot of, and, and this is at a time when Keanu Reeves is not, this this kind of started the Keanu Reeves renaissance, right? I think, uh, where he was cool again. Um, so, um, but what was it about this, that first movie that really captured your attention? Uh, James, we'll start with you. What, uh, what, uh, was in that first movie that really. Come on, Mike, you know, it's going to be, I'm a car guy. So it's the car. That's right. (laughs) I am a super huge car guy. And if someone stole my car, I'd probably go kill them as well. (laughs) I have a dog. If you kill my dog, I'd have to kill you as well. And then, you know, but I loved not just the action of the, you know, the shooting people, but the actual car scenes, the car chases, him letting out his anger at the airport in his car, just showing that raw emotion. I think for me, the cars were amazing. You know, you had a 69 Boss four, uh, 429. You had a, uh, what was a 1970 Chevelle SS 392, both iconic cars. I loved, I loved the cars in the movies. Uh, him getting the charger at the end, I kind of like, yeah, no, no, no big deal there. But the, the the cars were really, really good. And being, you know, you know, being trained in the military, watching him and how he moved was more of an actual, real thing to me. He didn't have the movie screen clips. You saw him constantly changing out. You saw him having to pull back the slide whenever he ran out of ammunition because he was counting as he was going. So he wouldn't, he would put in the new clip. And if he had had one in the chamber, he didn't have to rack it back. So you knew he was counting while he was doing that. But every once in a while, you'd see him where he miscounted because something was happening and they lined it up to where, okay, he's not able to count because he got stabbed or whatever. And he ended up having to actually rack the gun back. I I think they're, they, you know, the true to what it's supposed to be on that really got me in with the first movie. So there's a level of authenticity there yes. that maybe is lacking from other action movies. Well, well, you know, you see the one guy that has the gun and he shoots like 97 people and he never <laughs> once changed out a magazine or a clip or whatever. So, you know, that 
I like that authenticity in movies. Yeah. I loved how he was actually grabbing the clips from the people he shot a lot of times and everything. <laughs> or yeah. using their guns. Exactly. Uh, you know, he'd go in a situation where he didn't he, he didn't have one to start, or he just needed, in one case, he just needed one bullet to get started, and then he would just go from there and grab everybody's gun and, and just keep going. Um, but yeah, he was, uh, it was really innovative. I think a lot of those sequences, we hadn't like seen to, that choreography uh, before. Yeah. The, the gun was like, was even in the infighting, the, the, the hand to hand was an extension of him. You know, it wasn't, he wasn't playing back. It was all close. There was a lot. Of, I mean, I had done when we, when I did Jeet Kune Do years ago, we had a bunch of, with the priest, it was 10 blocks, no, six blocks away. And we had cops come in at lunch hour and we would all work together. And my instructor was showing them how to close and fight and not lose your gun. It was, and a lot of that was, was, um, was similar. It was, just, it was great to watch. It was really was it like, uh, like James said, it was, it was, it had an authenticity to it. that You won't see in a lot of other places. Mm-hmm. Yet still beefed up and stylized and very slick for, you know, for a movie screen. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, some of these, obviously a lot of these situations are just utterly ridiculous. Right. But I think the fact that there is some weight, not only emotionally, but also, authentic wise as far as like the weaponry and the ways going about it gives it some weight uh that some yeah. movies don't have uh rob what about you what what was attractive to, what is attracted you to this world uh there's a couple things uh first having lived in new york i love the really dirty underbelly side of new york because in the same way that the fighting scenes are real the the scenery in the background are real it is very much like it's not, you know, Central Park. It's not, you know, the Empire State Building. It's like roll your hands in the muck, get dirty New York, which I really, I really like to see in films. Yeah. And this isn't um, like, and, and to be clear, this isn't Atlanta passing as New York. This is New York. Oh, New York. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's a, there's a couple of weird facets of it. Um, the other thing is I'm a huge fan of film noir. And the the character of John Wick is straight out of it's neo noir actually in the same way that like Blade Runner is, but it, it it very much if you were just to say the plot of you know a guy leaves leaves you know leaves a gang gets married retires someone kills his dog and he seeks vengeance it sounds you know like an Andrew Garfield movie from the forties you know from the forties yeah. right if this was made um, in the forties it would be Robert Mitchum. Yeah, yeah, it, would, it totally would be Robert Mitchum. Actually, in a, in, a, in, a, in another world, Robert uh, Robert Mitchum would be Winston, but that's just me. Um, I buy that too. But uh, so so it had that aspect of it too. It it really reached into this like antihero um, spirit with me, but it wasn't like just beating it over the head, right? He, they gave him some little elements that kind of tweaked it a little bit that made it interesting. In terms of being a character study, uh, also I'm a huge fan of uh, the Hong Kong movies of the of the 90s. Mm-hmm. So like Bullet in the Head and all those Chow Yun Fat stuff. Um, and this was the first movie I'd seen in a long time that felt like that, right? Um, so I loved it because of that. And I thought, you know, much like he said, the the gunfighting and the actual fighting seemed less staged and less uh, less, um, you know. Fake. And then lastly, I'm a huge fan of Art Deco and the Continental is just loaded with like <laughs> Art Deco goodness. So that's my weird part of it is I was like really fascinated with the 
physical architecture of the movie as well as the like on-screen architecture of the movie if that sounds incredibly nerdy so i'll shut up no no, no absolutely no no you can't you can't be too nerdy on this show you can't but having, uh, but having said that having said that he is right about the cars um because i'm not a car guy and even i was impressed by the cars mm-hmm. oh yeah me too i couldn't tell you what they were yeah. but i'm like sweet <laughs> i can i can tell what looks cool and and that's the thing. I mean, this this movie has these all these movies have a level of coolness to them. Uh, you know, uh, Keanu just doesn't wear like you know jeans and a t shirt. You know, he's dressed in a three piece suit to the nines. Um, of course, it's all quote unquote bulletproof. So there's there's that air of believability that goes. But you have to just try to take that and go okay, <laughs> right? Um, and the fact that nobody's going to try to shoot him in the head. Uh, so you have to kind of go with that. But apart from that, like, yes, there's a lot of like stuff that really seems really cool and slick. It looks great. Um, you know, for guys who are filmmakers, for the filmmakers who are basically like stunt coordinators, uh, you know, they were, um, they were former stunt coordinators, coordinators on the matrix. So they had a familiarity with Keanu. Uh, they actually, uh, I think one of them, I mean, if not both, uh, doubled for, um, Brandon Lee after the crow incident happened. Um, So, uh, and they've done like, if you look at their, their list of stunt coordination, stunt work, I mean, it's just a huge long list. So they have, but this is the first time they really got a chance to, and they've done some second unit directing before. This is the first time they were ever given a film to do. And so you expect the stunt work to be great, you know, and you have these set pieces that look great as for stunts, but then they they sort of cover this and all this like sort of slick, really cool stuff, um, and yeah, that sort of underground underbelly, that cool classic, because that's that's the best of New York, right? Where it's dangerous, but it's cool looking. It's got like some history to it, but it's also new. Um, it's also like a city of the future, and it's got all that mixed in together in a really great package. All you just have to say is yes about New York. They have. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like New York is a character in this movie. I mean, oh, obviously is. they they expand it out in the second movie it becomes not just a New York thing, but a worldwide thing, an international thing, uh, and that gets even more so in the uh, the third movie, and and probably you know more so in in the ones to come. Because as these movies go on, they they expand the world. So we have like this a particular set of interesting rules, an interesting world that we've never really seen before, like this. We've always got we've ever we've seen underworld kind of mobsters and whatever have our code, but this seems really like you know talk about organized and and sort of uh, uh, put in a in a set of rules uh, that are really specific and it's a quite uh, mm-hmm. an interesting world that they've built uh, that uh, was created by I think Derek Derek Colstead is the uh, the the writer the creator he's worked on the three movies. Uh, for some reason, they 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 sort of uh, uninvited him to be part of any future ones. I don't know what's happened there. They're, I, I wonder to what look that's going to do because you know if he, it's his world and they're basically running yeah, I don't, away from it. I don't know. I think the the writers of the 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 other two writers of the third movie are continuing on with the fourth movie, and and I think they're part of the uh, and the director is as well. So everybody's back except for the original screenwriter. And I'm not really sure why that is because he's gone on to do some other things. I think recently he did um, Nobody, which got uh, some some great acclaim as well. Uh, I still haven't checked that one out, but uh, I'm keen to. 
Um, so there's, yeah, there might be some drama there, but I don't, I don't know what that is. But in any case, we get a, we get a, like a small sort of New York world in the first movie, but then we see that this is going worldwide. It's more international. The world of John Wick keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and so does like the action and, and everything else. So how do you guys feel about, about the sequels, about this, the way that this series is going, um they take place in all three movies take place in the span of like a couple of weeks i think because they're pretty much back to back right so yeah (laughs) so we're probably going to come to a point i don't know when this really takes place but we're going to come to a point where maybe they're in the past if not the view (laughs) i don't know uh but um because i'm like is this still taking place in 2014 because it doesn't feel like it um but a lot of times with franchises the first movie's the best they go downhill from there. Uh, Mike, you already said that you feel like the the movies are getting better. In some ways, yeah, I do. And the game, it's interesting because it is more and more, it feels like just one long video game. And it's just like you could even see almost where Keanu gets little health packs to boost her up and go through. And it's, it's, it's fun. And it's world building and it's building this huge universe around him, which is interesting. And Judy brought this up, which was really interesting that you see people walking down the streets and everything and people are getting killed or stabbed or shot around them, even walking through like um, Grand Central Station. And it's just like people are getting are getting shot or cut or stabbed and people are just walking by it, like not paying attention or something. I thought that's just New York, though. Rush hour, man. You know what I do? Exactly. See? <laughs> it's like they didn't want to miss their train or whatever. So it's, it's like when that train leaves, I'm on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and but it was it, it was interesting. It's like it almost felt like these people are like almost phantoms and the, they're going almost between realities in some mm. ways. And it was just interesting to see that. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because the Samurai Code is one of the inspirations for the film mm-hmm. uh, and for the series. And that is actually part of that idea of the phantoms and people going by. Mm-hmm. So exactly. There you go. Yeah. But um, and yeah, but it's interesting, too, because a lot of civilians don't get killed by this. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's if they're only killing the people that are involved with this thing. And, you know, and, you know, if I was in the New York Public Library and I saw this giant seven foot man lying dead on the floor in, you know, the Russian history part, it was just like, wait a minute, there's something not right here, you know? <laughs> well, that's because the people had already seen the ghosts from Ghostbusters. Yeah, good. So they're, Touché. you know, they're, yeah. Touche, touche. <laughs> but yeah. Sorry. And, but it, it was real, real interesting. And I loved it. I'm glad we watched all three and I'm looking forward to the fourth and, you know, where they're going. Cause now, you know, the way they're making it set up now, it's going to be the fourth one. I would say it's a revenge film, but all three have been <laughs> revenge films. So, oh yeah, he's always got something. And the, and it looks like the, the fourth one is too, <laughs> because the way that, like I said, we're going to spoil this, but, uh, because the way the third one ends, I mean, he's pissed off. <laughs> Yeah. So he's probably madder than he's been at any time in the, in the, so, uh, so that's pretty, pretty cool. Rob, what about you? What, how do you, have you felt the quality has been through each subsequent movie? 
So I, I really hate the idea of trilogies being five films. Um, <laughs> but you're, I know you're a Douglas Adams fan. <laughs> I'm not even a fan of, but I'm not even a fan of that being five films. Um, you know, generally I am not a, a fan of like things getting expanded beyond their, their shelf life. Right. Right. However, this, for some reason, you know, when I saw three and it ended, even though that I knew he was pissed and he had called for revenge, I almost wanted it to be that final ending and the theater of the mind be what goes on next. Right. Sort of like some of the old spaghetti westerns and stuff. Um, having said that, these are so well done and so great looking. And there's just like literally it checks all the boxes that I like in a film that I'm okay with it. Um, and they're filming four and five back to back. So actually, that's not that, but scrapped. Not true. That's yeah, that's scrapped. They, they, okay. they were they were that was the original goal, but because of the pandemic and everything else, they okay they just they just worked on four and they're doing five separately. So that that makes that almost makes me feel better because when I heard they were doing four and five back to back, sometimes when they do the films back to back, they get rushed. Mm. And it's like you have to meet a you have to meet a studio deadline, a production deadline, budgets and things. But if it's two separate films, you have time to see the reaction of the fourth one, tweak it for the fifth one, or infuse a new idea. And so I'm almost more glad that they are not doing them, you know, back to back and yeah. piggybacking them. But I I am cautiously optimistic. I really want it to be great. I want to take it in new directions. Um, I'm not sure they can live in that closed in universe forever. So expanding kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's a lot of little sub characters that I think could be interesting that they play around, play around with. So yeah, I'm guardedly optimistic. And I think the big, the big driving force in it is that Keanu has just been so enjoyable to watch that you don't mind, you know, seeing more two movies mm-hmm. with him in it. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, uh, I think um, we haven't really talked about, you know, his performance in this. But I mean, like I said, this did start the sort of renaissance. And I think Keanu's one of those guys that he's one of those talents that, you know, I give him a lot of credit because he does try to try to he is ambitious in some of his projects. But sometimes I feel like they are outside of his wheelhouse. But when you put him like he is not a round peg or a square peg, he is this oddly shaped peg. But if you put him in the right slot, like, man, he is magic. Yeah. Um, And I think that's what they hit with this. Yeah, I think, too, him being a comic book guy and, and the stuff that he likes, I think that he is one of those actors that if he is motivated by the material, he he's all in. Yeah, right. He gets it. He gets it. And I think that he got like all the little things that he knew the fans would get, you know, on a complete level. I think he's one of those few actors that sees a film, not just in how he's doing it, but how the people watching it get it. And I think that's cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was really, I was sorry. I was really surprised how well received he was in it. And I, I was happy for him. Yeah, yeah. And it's led to bigger success. I think we, uh, without John Wick, I don't think you get another Bill and Ted's movie. Yeah. Um, so, um, I, I think that, that's, that, yeah, that doesn't happen. Uh, James, what about you? How do you feel like the quality's been throughout the series? I think all three of them are amazing action films. I do really like how they're building the world out in each one of the films. It gets a little bigger and a little bigger. 
My only drawback is the third one seemed a little choppy to me with everything that they had going on. I think that they could have either cut some of the characters out or dove more into it. Like the Holly Berry scene, you know, it's only like this big, but it's really important to the story about him finding that out. Uh, but as far as an action movie, I think they're all great. It's just when you start getting into the more storytelling, it seemed like they on the third one, they kind of rushed a lot of it and crunched a lot into one, uh, one, one, one movie. You know, you get, you added the adjudicators, you added the elder, you added uh, Monaco, you added Halle Berry's character, you added all of that. And I think it was a little crunched, still a good movie. Still, you know, I love the ending. I, I, I want to see where it goes. I just hope they don't do that in their future ones. They kind of, you know, give each character and each element its own chance to be part of the movie, not just crunch together. Yeah, I don't want to dislike Halle Berry, but it seems like I see her in movies too often that she's like trying to spin off from other movies. Like whether she's in a James Bond movie or an X-Men movie or, you know, uh, cast as Catwoman. It's like she wants to take off and do these her own thing, and they just never work for me. Um, and that's the big thing with I found in the third movie is that you know she she all of a sudden it's like Keanu passes her the torch for like thirty minutes, and then she passes it back to him, and then we get we go on with the rest of the movie. It's sort of like that that really I didn't care for. Um, that took me because that was the first time in the whole series that we'd really spent any time with someone else. Yeah. Um, and I, and I didn't, I didn't appreciate that actually. I was like, no, no, these, it's called John wick. Let's just stay with the guy. Let's stay with the guy that brought us here. You know? No, I agree. Now, do you, and how do you feel about uh, the quality as a, as a whole? Though? Well, oh, I, I whole love the, um, well, the world building has been phenomenal. You know, the, uh, the, the first one, it, it hinted at a whole lot else was going on underneath and around, out of sight, and they just built upon that in the second and the third. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the uh, when they gave you a little glimpse of it, the rules, the rules you have to play by. And um, I, well, one scene keeps copping back into my head. I have never seen anyone taken out by a car with a spinning back kick, <laughs> ever. Just never seen that before. That was one of my favorite scenes in all three movies. Yeah, there are, I think every movie has inventive ways that keep people get taken out. <laughs> um, so that, is, yeah, they're quite original and that's quite inspiring to see that they continue to, to come up with new ways to, to, <laughs> for John to dispose of people. Um, uh, I didn't appreciate it as you did. I didn't appreciate the, that. That seemed to me almost to be a, a break um, from the series by giving up that 20 or 30 minutes yeah. when he wasn't center stage, center stage. Yeah. I rewatched the series this weekend and uh, I felt I, like I hadn't seen the third one uh, since I originally saw it and felt that way. And I, and it, again, it held up and I actually kind of timed it and I was like, yeah, she's taken up like, you know, not quite a third of the movie, but she's taking up like a lot of this movie and it just, it feels like it. You can kind of feel like the, that there's some air let out, during that sequence. And then when we get John back, it's like, Oh, thank, thank God. (laughs) And I don't, and I don't hate Halle Berry, but (laughs) yet there's so many times where she's in movies that uh, uh, franchises that I like, and she just doesn't do it for me. 
it, it was interesting though because I did like the thought of the character. They gave her somewhat of a backstory, and she owed a blood oath to John actually to helping something, getting her daughter to safety or something like that, if I remember correctly. And, I like the idea of him using that medallion, yeah, and using the blood oath uh, to to get some help. Exactly. Um, but they repeated the thing with the dog again, and 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 the dog didn't even die. She got really pissed, um, and oh, you know it was know. like she acted like that that she had just lost the dog, but I mean she hadn't. And granted, I wouldn't want someone shooting at my pet either, uh, even if it even even if you survived. But still, it just seemed kind of hollow. There was some um, there was some emptiness to the whole thing. I did like the dogs, and you know, do not get on their the dogs. Back yes, yeah, on their crotches. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh yeah, I think all of us were like, ooh, every time that happened, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I rewatching the series this weekend. One thing I noticed about the first one is that, um, and it's a true credit to again these guys who are directing this. And everybody involved, especially the editing, because it's so efficient. Yeah. Um, in much the same way that John Wick is an efficient when he's killing people and when he's doing his job, that's what this film felt like. It's like it tells you everything you need to know in such a quick, efficient manner. It gets you where you need to be, and then it it does what it needs to do. It just is. It's an amazing feat of filmmaking. Um, and I find that the subsequent movies, although I kind of like the second one as my favorite of the three um, as far as rewatchability. Uh, but I find that they're getting a little bit more bloated uh, through each one. Just the second one is a little bit more. And the third one, I feel like, you know, especially with that Halle Berry stuff is really more bloated, but I like the, where it ends up. I mean, the final battle at the, that takes place at the continental is beautiful, is great. Um, and they keep up in the ante, which I appreciate as well. So, yeah. So at the end there, do you think Winston betrayed John or was it planned that that was going to happen that way? I uh I I'm curious to what you guys think. Uh uh <laughs> James Winston's going to get a bullet to the head. That's all, <laughs> that's it. I don't care if it was planned or not. Dude fell off 10 15 stories, hit the concrete. Come on. Yeah. Mm. It, there is a kind of, I mean, it kind of, they kind of play it both ways. Cause in some ways, Winston kind of is not surprised that he survived. Um, in fact, he kind of, it seems like he kind of planned him to fall that way. Um, but I don't think, uh, John feels the same way. I don't think John feels grateful. Let's put it that way. No. Um, so I do think, um, Winston might be, you know, uh, come uh, as an adversary in the next one. Uh, any other thoughts on that, Rob? I think, you know, I think that Winston was pretty much completely in John's camp until there's that one moment when he realizes it's him or me and it's not going to be me. Right. Um, because I think at the heart of this movie, they are all survivalists that will easily, um, you know, do whatever they have to do to survive. And they spend so much time building John up as like, he's a survivalist, but he has a puppy, right? So it's kind of like he's the exception to the order, right? And I think that they will probably, you know, they could also make it where he's changed everything. And then um, Winston decides to 
sort of follow a similar path. But I think that the way they set it up is Winston's kind of like, I'm really in a bind. I'm screwed. I got to do it. Or if Winston is just so married to the rules that he can't function outside of it. So it's, it's sort of one of those one of those dynamics, both of which would be an interesting avenue to pursue. Yeah, I, I sort of, uh, I can see that, and I think they, they leave it open so you could go either way, but I, I sort of lean to the fact that I, I, or to the idea that Winston is a chess player and he, he knew what he was doing mm-hmm. using John to, to help save his, like his power bid. Um, and and did everything he could in order to do that. I mean, if you've got someone like John Wick on your side, you can do anything. And so I, I think he he knew that. Now I think there's some some feelings there, uh, some actual uh, honest feelings between them. But yeah, never let feelings get in the way of a good business opportunity, right? Yeah. Any was... thoughts on it, John? Um, I kind of agree with that. I think at the end of the second one. I felt like he was more of a rule follower and that he was just so plugged into the the um the system that he, he had no other choice. But by the end of the third one, far more of a chess player. Um definitely I'm not gonna be the one that ends that ends up in the ground. It's going to if it's me or you, it's going to be you. Um I don't think I didn't almost not not malevolence, but more like more like definitely cold eyed businessman about it. That's the way I felt at the end of the third anyway. I would, we'll not be, I would not be at all surprised the the fact that John took a life in his yeah. in his in his property was very hurtful to him. Um because he wasn't just breaking the rules, uh, you know, he was going up against he was betraying Winston actually. Yeah. I felt I felt like that felt like a betrayal. And so the seeds were sown right there, I think. Uh yeah. for what for his play. Uh I'm sorry, you were going to say Mike no, all I was going to say was it would have been interesting because right before he took the shots and, you know, that he got the hotel back, he basically said, hey, we'll go up against you. This is New York. You know, we can take on anything. <laughs> and I think she realized that, you know, this would be a a battle that would take a lot of lives. It wouldn't be an easy battle at all. Because pretty much, and I so wanted to see her get shot right in the head, though. You know, <laughs> I I don't think we're done with her, and I think she's going to get what's coming to her. Well, I mean, she is uh, cast in the fourth movie, so we'll see how long she <laughs> is in, in is featured in that movie. Um, but yeah, uh, all right. So we know we're getting a fourth movie. It's supposed to be out next year, about this time. Um, it was delayed, of course, through a lot of other things. Um, we also are getting a TV series, as I said, about the continent. It's called The Continental, and it's a prequel. It's about the early days of The Continental. We've got a young Winston, uh, who is played by, um, Colin, Colin Wood, I believe is his name. Uh, also, uh, a couple of other, um, characters are going to be their younger, uh, are played by younger actors too. Mel Gibson is going to be the star of this show. Uh, he is playing a character that we, we don't know. We've never been introduced to, I don't think. So, um, so that will be interesting to see him tied to this franchise. Uh, Rob, you don't look pleased with that. I'm a little Mel Gibson down, man. (laughs) 
That right, Mel Gibson right there, saying his name might turn me off from watching the series, truthfully. I mean, I mean, I mean, it is a, it has been a John Wick focused series. And as I've said, the time where it goes outside of John, I wasn't really like feeling it. So I do wonder, can it, can something else survive in this world without him? Um, and, uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? I would like a continental series set at the same time as this <laughs> universe or slightly before with Ian McShane. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Ian McShane for that's, sure. That's what I would like. Or a prequel with Robert Mitchell, with Robert Mitchell. Um, <laughs> you know, wow. I, and Burt Lancaster. Oh my God. That'd be great. <laughs> If they could find a way to make Kirk Douglas in it and make tough guys canon. Oh, yeah. That's the triumphant, right? That's the third. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, right. Uh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. I, I think that I think the universe can survive without John Wick if the spirit of it is done right. But I also think they have a chance to tell really interesting stories um, that they that they can't do in film because it's a shorter format. They won't have to be like, oh, we have to add a car chase or a fight scene or, you know, they'll be able to really do, I think, more drawn out character development. Um, and I think that there's a lot of opportunity there because, I mean, if you think if John, what if, what if John Wick is not the most interesting person or the most mad person that comes into the Continental? Like everyone that's going to come into that Continental is going to be either running from someone or running to someone or it's just going to have their own baggage that they need to exert physical violence on you know so there's a lot of interesting character studies you can do there it's almost like an arkham asylum but with people that like to kick things and shoot guns and and we have seen some interesting like folks come through those doors in the past movies well whether it be william defoe uh adrian pilecki um ruby rose common uh who i believe common's character is still uh, could be a threat at some point um, so, uh, you don't think so, Mike? <laughs> no, it's, you, you saw her. She pretty much was when she was sitting against the glass and windows. And no, no, I said common. Oh, common. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's le- we left last left him on the subway. Yeah. So, oh yeah. Yeah. If you pull out that, uh, knife, you know, <laughs> you'll bleed to death because yeah, he wasn't going anywhere. No, exactly. And it, as they, as they put it, it was the uh, last stop. For the train, <laughs> you know how ironic was that? And we could have a young uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character because he, you know, was a he was a. Uh, my understanding is he was a agent of uh, an assassin, just like the rest of them, and who gradually moved up and through the ranks. Right? Then that's the series you make too, because that would also be interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think I mean, much more interesting than friggin. Michael or Mel Gibson. But anyway. <laughs> exactly. And, and how cool was it that we get like, you know, this sort of matrix uh, reunion uh, in this series, right? Yeah. Uh, not just with the people behind the scenes, but with some of the people on camera too. Um, yeah. Where, where would you like to see the series or are you excited about things are coming? Uh, James? I I'm, I'm excited. I, you know, I hope that they do it justice and they're not just doing it for another revenue stream. Too many times we're seeing things like that, you know, where something's really good and then they do this and it's like, okay, your heart wasn't in it. You were just doing it for the money. If they do it correctly and they look at some of the backstories or even the current stories 
uh, a lot of the characters, like Jack, uh, John Leguizamo's Aurelio, uh, like you said, Common, uh, Ruby Rose, all of those characters could potentially be there, but I hope it's done in a manner that lives up to kind of like the quality and the action that we're looking with or we're looking for with a John Wick series spinoff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John, how do you feel? Um, I'm hoping that they corral the third one, as we all discussed, uh, too many moving parts spread out a little bit too much. I'm hoping they bring it back in, narrow the focus and tie it down again for the, uh, for the, for the final two. I mean, let, let the fourth one rip up a little bit, go crazy, and then bring him back home for the fifth one, and ho- then hopefully put the series, at least that part of the, uh, the universe, to rest. Now, has, uh, has anybody played the video games or read the comic series that came out? I have not. Okay, so the, uh, the comic series was a prequel as well. It was actually focused on a very young, uh, uh, what is his name, Jardani? Johnny Jovovich or whatever his name. Yeah, his name. But uh, but it talks about him, his early days when he's a teenager. I think he has to. He does something, goes to prison, gets out, that kind of thing. So, uh, and it, I think it was co-written by one of the writers of the um, the seer of the movie, one of the movies. Uh, not the main guy, I don't think. But uh, and the video games I hear are are separate stories as well. They feature a lot of uh, the actors and characters who are in the movies. Uh, but one actor in particular that was in Payday 2, John Wick, very interesting to me. Uh, Gian, Giancarlo Esposito is in uh, is one of, one of the video games. And if there's a guy, if there's an actor out there who's like perfect for these this series, it's that guy. Like, man, I wish they could have gotten him instead of Mel Gibson. <laughs> if he was the lead guy in the movie, in in the new one, I would I would I would love that. So, or in the series, I would love that. Um, and uh, and Mike, what about you? What do you feel about like things going forward? Um, are as, as, whether it's a series of the movies or or the actual TV series? From what you've said about the TV series, I'm going to probably pass on it. And but I'm looking forward to the movies to seeing where they go and how it continues forward. It excites me. It you know gives me you know pleasure to see i could you know hit ready player one and get going you know it's always fun to see and as long as the new dog doesn't get hurt i'm good with that so it's cool <laughs> yeah that's a trick now keeping the dog safe mm-hmm. well you know it'll be interesting to see what the movies are uh, i you know I'm, I'm definitely down for the fourth movie i i'm planning to see it in the theater so um this will be the first time i see a john wick movie in the theater so i think we're past the point where you know if they, they missed an opportunity to have John Wick Chapter 3 in 3D, <laughs> like, that would have been, like, pretty awesome. Uh, I do think, though, they, Mike, as you said, they are getting more and more video game-like. I didn't really feel that in the first movie, but in the second movie, especially when he's going through the caverns, uh, that really felt video game to me, like first-person shooter to me. Yeah. Um, so, um, and I think that has continued on through the series as well. One thing that I, I just want to mention real quick because one thing that I, I I don't know I don't think it was an actual inspiration for this series, but it definitely was something that I was reminiscent of. I'm a big fan of uh, writer Robert Sheckley's work, and he one of his uh, uh, probably most popular novels was The Seventh Victim, which takes place in a future society that um, they allow members of society to join quote unquote the big hunt, where um, humans 
at random get picked to hunt one another at, at, at free will. Uh, it's order to, to keep the population down. And there are scenes in this, in this John Wick series that made me feel like the big hunt was going on, like sequences like that, particularly like in the second movie where they're in the subway station or the airport, somewhere public. And uh, John Wick and Common's character are going after each other, but they're like on different levels and they're just sneakily like slyly kind of shooting at each other up and down and, and not hurting anybody else, but just kind of going after each other. Um, I, I've really felt like that was like a kind of a, a big hunt type scenario or most dangerous game is kind of similar in that concept too. So, um, but who knows, who knows where they'll go with it. Um, but I know that um, I'm going to be on board. So uh, it's been a great series so far. Anything else that you want to say about the series as a whole? Something you look forward to or, or anything? Uh, James, we'll start with you. One thing I got is the immortal wor- words of ego. Oh. 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 <laughs> John? Um, I'm, just, I'm just looking forward to it. I, I, I – this this came out of out of left field. Uh, like I said, I was late late to the uh, to the party, but now I'm I'm going to be there opening weekend for number number four. Awesome, awesome, Rob. You know, now that it's a full on franchise, and we've seen a couple sort of quasi um, copycats, I want it to say true to itself, and I want it to not feel like it has to keep upping the ante because it's a sequel. I just want the story to be good. I want um, the fight to be good. I really like James' point about the gunfights. I want little stuff like that. I want them to keep doing all the little things that have just made it be so different than other films in this kind of genre. Yeah, good call. Mike? I just want to have fun with it. And if they can keep the fun, the feel, because they never feel like they're two hours. It just flies through these movies don't drag and that's what I want to continue. If they get, you know, Oh, John wick has a new love interest or John wick has, you know, a relationship or something. It's like, Oh God, please don't do that. I just, I wanted to, you know, I want this to each one. And I love how after number one, they made it, you know, John wick chapter two, chapter three, it's a one big story. I want it just to continue from where they left off, and that's what I want to see. Yeah, and it seems like that's the way they're going. And and Keanu has said that you know, um, as long as they keep making good ones, he'll keep. He's on. He's he's in for the long haul. He wants to keep making them as well. So so hopefully they keep up that quality for him and our sake as well. So. Uh, well, it's very cool, guys. Thanks for joining us for that, this segment. Um, and uh, as they say in the John Wick universe, we'll be seeing you. And we'll be right back with uh, this creative album. Hey everybody, Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment and starting with a fond farewell to Barry Bailey, a guitarist with the Atlanta Rhythm Section who passed away Monday at age 73 after a long battle with MS. He was the band's founding guitarist, played with them on every album from 72 until he had to retire in 2006, including the very well-known Champagne Jam and the top 20 hits So Into You and Not Gonna Let It Bother Me Tonight. 
So travel on well, Mr. Bailey. And this may be the most important music news I have shared in some time. This is big, y'all. Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem will be the subject of a new Disney Plus series. Uh, focuses on the long-running band's attempts to record, at long last, their first album. All this time, and it's their first album. Lily Singh will be playing Nora, the junior A&R executive who has the task of managing the band and Animal, and we will see how that goes for her and how this series transpires. I don't know when that is going to debut, but it will be soon on Disney+. Plus. And Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Dolly Parton has declined her nomination for the class of 2022. Now, other artists have said that they don't want to be inducted and that they won't be there. But this is a little different. This is Dolly Parton. And the reason she is stepping back is she says she does not feel she has earned the honor. Um, and she does not want to split the vote. So she is respectfully declining. Um, so we will have to see how the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame handles this because it is kind of kind of different. Um, some of the official ballots have already gone in. And Dolly is, I think, in fourth or fifth place in the popular vote. Um, she was considered a lock by most Hall observers. So we don't know if they will take her off of the fan poll, what they will do with the official ballots that have come in. Um, but it looks like Dolly will not be part of the class of 2022. That could open the doors for some of the artists that might have been a little farther down and they could step up. She does say that her husband, Carl, is a rock and roll freak, and he's wanted her to do a, an album for some time, so it gives her more incentive to do a rock and roll album, and she hopes they'll reconsider when she deserves it. A lot of people think she already deserves it, but what can you say? It's Dolly Parton. Gotta love her. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment, and I'll catch you next time. So how do we describe this show? Like, what's really going to grab people's attention and make them tune in? Nerdgasm for your eargasm? What? The spice must flow to be in the know. Um. Don't be a willow. Grab your pillow. But that one doesn't even make sense. All right, stop. Snag a seat and listen. The nerds are back with the brand new edition. No. Uh, okay, then. The Blurred Nerds Podcast. Rants, raves, reviews, recaps, and other bits of random fandom. Well, see, that's perfect. You should have just led with that one. Resistance is futile. Listen to the Blurred Nerds podcast right meow. Fine. Make it so. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Earth Station One. Now we are here for the creative outlet segment, and we're here with Sean Hainsworth. You got a great comic. You got Woodstake. Tell everyone about it. Yeah, so Woodstake, uh, like it sounds, it's a vampire at Woodstock. Um, that's that's the quick version of it. Um, and uh, it... Um, takes place uh, in 1969 with the original Woodstock, and um, it's a classic vampire. We're, we're using the tagline, classic vampires, classic rock, so think Bram Stoker. Um, and uh, we have a lot of fun with um, the uh, uh, people and elements of the time period. There's a lot of um, hippies, anti-war protesters. Um, there's a lot of references to pop culture icons, everything from Wavy Gravy to Muhammad Ali to uh, Pete Townsend. 
Um, so we have a lot of fun with it, but I think it really is a nice balance between straight up horror and, uh, and having a lot of fun with having a vampire at, uh, Woodstock. Um, and so, you know, one thing I think is really interesting about it is that Woodstock was this epiphany of, uh, of, of optimism in the 1960s. And, uh, when you take that and you collide it with a vampire who is probably, which is probably one of the most cynical creatures around who sucks the lifeblood out of people and leaves their dead bodies behind. Um, that's where a lot of the, uh, the comedy, comedy and the energy comes from it. Um, and as I say in the tagline, who doesn't want to see a vampire trip on LSD? So having a lot of fun and, uh, and, uh, trying to scare you at the same time. That's scary enough thinking about than putting it in that kind of location. That's pretty awesome. How did you come up with the, the idea for this? Yeah. You know, I, I, I think just kind of wood stock, wood stake. It, it just kind of, uh, came about through the title. And the more I thought about having a vampire at Woodstock, uh, the more I just liked the idea and I saw a lot of possibilities um, in, in, in the setup. Um, and so I originally developed this as a screenplay um, and uh, um, took it over to the Austin Film Festival this year. And um, it was a second rounder. So I got to go to the festival, meet a lot of people and talk about it. But, um, but I really want to see this done as a comic. I much prefer to have, um, you know, creative control over it. I'm working with a really great young artist uh, named Philippe Kroll um, from Brazil. Um, and he's just, he does these painted um, artworks that are just really beautiful. And uh, it's just uh, really exciting to see it come together. And, um, you know, the story was originally about 130 pages of a screenplay. So it's going to be seven issues. So we've got a full oh, story. Wow. It's not just like, uh, wouldn't it be funny to have a, a vampire at Woodstock? It's, uh, it's really a story that develops and has, you know, I hope a really good arc to it. That is awesome. So how can people find it? And how can people help support it? Yeah, so we're on uh, Zoop, which is a crowdfunding platform just for comic books. Um, if you haven't heard of Zoop, you should head on over to Zoop. Um, and the nice thing about Zoop is um, the rewards uh, system is very simple, and we're offering a $3 PDF. So you can support the project, and for 3 bucks, you can get a digital copy of the comic book. So, um, and, if you, uh, and if you want to, you can just drop by and drop a dollar into the tip jar. You know, we have other rewards. We have, um, you know, signed comics and collector's editions and add-ons and things like that. So, um, you know, there's a lot you can do, but it doesn't have as many tiers as Kickstarter, and you can really just get in and get the comic and get out if that's what you want to do. Um, so I hope people will come out and support it, and, you know, can't beat a $3 PDF. Most definitely not. That sounds pretty darn awesome. And, you know, I'm looking forward to it. And if somebody wants to support you, can they support you for the full run or is it just per issue? For right now, it's per issue. So um, what I would say is head on over to Zoop, support the first issue in whatever way you can. You'll be on the mailing list and uh, we'll let you know about future issues. And, uh, you know, we'll just keep it going. It's going to be a multi-year project. It's going to be at least three to four uh, months to develop each issue. So um, I'm imagining, you know, issue one is going to come out in April and then it'll probably be September, October before issue two comes out. I think that's awesome, man. That is awesome. I can't wait to do it. And folks, if you get a chance, the artwork that uh, the young man from Brazil did is just amazing. And yeah. I, I, lo I was looking through it. I was like drooling on it. It's like, where's my wallet? Where's my credit card? Let's do this. So it's pretty awesome. Definitely worth checking out. Sean, thank you so much. Please, if you want, every time you have a new issue coming out, we'd love to have you up and help talk about it. 
That sounds great. I, it's been a real pleasure to be here, and I would love to do that. So thank you so much for the time. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment, and we will be closing up the show. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about Westworld Season 2. So I am slowly catching up on shows that I kind of let fall to the side of my TV watching priorities. Westworld was one of those shows. I have made it through Season 2, and holy cow, what a season this was. There was so much going on. So many different stories and characters, and it was handled amazingly. I will say I was very much trying to piece together timelines and when stories were happening in order by the end, just because of how crazy Bernard's story was told out of order. It really hits you in the last couple of episodes too. So my brain was just going crazily in order to figure out, wait, when was this scene happening compared to this scene? I also love that there was a great story narrative for the natives and the other people who just wanted to get out of Westworld because they all started to wake up and know that their lives weren't their own, really. Season 2 did such a great job of showing how far a species will go to survive and how their motives can change from just wanting to live their lives to wanting to have revenge on the group that put them through the pain that they did. I think out of all the stories going on in Season 2, Maeve's had to probably be my favorite. Her character was just so amazingly written and execute it. That any time she was on screen, it was amazing and you were so engaged in what was going on. All in all, I think season two of Westworld, in my opinion, is the best so far. I still have two more seasons to go for what is out so far, so that may change, but the amount of amazing storytelling going on in this season was just so outstanding. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So that's about to wrap up the show, but Mike and I actually are going to be at a couple different cons coming up. Mr. Mike, mini con report. God, my voice can't handle that anymore. I don't know. <laughs> we will be at the Atlanta Comic Convention slash uh, fandom, fandom, Fandemic Tour. Is that what it's called? Fandemic. Yeah. At the uh, Georgia World Congress Center, and that is this weekend. Uh, 18th, I will not 19th, be- and 20th. Yep, we are not set up with a table or anything, but we will be doing uh, panels. Uh, we will doing we're doing one panel on Saturday and uh, scheduled to do two on Sunday. Uh, the details you can find out if you go to like you know check out their site and stuff like that. Because um, I think they're still trying to iron out a few things, so we don't have everything precise. But that's that's the way it's looking. So you can find us there. Um, and so we hope to see you at the Georgia World Congress Center this weekend. It's going to be a ton of fun, and we're going to be talking about a lot of geeky stuff. Absolutely. And then we've got uh, SC Comic Con, uh, the show that we love so much. Uh, is going to be April 9th and 10th, Greenville, South Carolina. Well, but, of course, it's going to be guarded by the peacekeepers, right? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and eagerly. Um, and, uh, <laughs> right. You want, to um, do that? you want to do that part over? I don't care. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and then April 9th and 10th, we will be at the South Carolina Comic-Con in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, of course, it's our favorite, one of our favorite shows. Our good friend Robert puts that show on. We have a great time and we will have tables 
at that show. So look for us there uh, all two days, I believe. It's uh, Yeah, it's not three days. It's two days, right? Mm-mm. It's the 9th and 10th of yep. April. And so. it's at the... Uh, I think it's called back calling because it used to be the TD Convention Center, but it's now I think it's back just the to the Greenville Convention. It's Center. back to the Greenville Convention Center, yeah. And it's a great, great show. Um, folks come from Charlotte. Folks come from Atlanta, Nashville, um, Charleston. It's people from all over come to this con, and it is truthfully, it's one of my favorite shows to go to each year. Mine. And we are actually possibly we're going to be talking to the seventh doctor, Sylvester McCoy. He's going to be one of the guests, and I think we're being lined up to possibly chat with him. Very nice. So it should be a ton of fun. So definitely look for us. You can find it at sccomiccon.com, and definitely check it out. And Robert and his wife Michelle and the folks at Borderlands definitely puts on a great show. So it should be a ton of fun. So that is going to wrap up our con report, and let's jump in to say bye to the folks for this episode. We had a couple guests. Let's thank, of course, Mr. Rob Levy first. Hey, thanks for uh, letting me do this, and it was fun. Well, we actually have a little bit of an announcement we could actually make tonight that you're actually joining the ESO Network. Well, I am part of three that are joining. Well, two, because Alan's already got the green lantern ring um yeah so anthony williams and i and and alan seiler from your your trek show are doing modern musicology uh music podcast and uh, you can listen to that every week wherever all fine podcasts are found exactly and now part of the eso network and very happy to announce that we're growing again so it's very fun and i've wanted a music podcast for years on the show and alan and his crew including rob and anthony do a fantastic job i listen every week it's been it's been an honor to be able to get these guys yeah i can't think of three better guys i i want to listen to talk about music so Exactly. They know their stuff, folks. I almost said the other word, but they know their stuff. <laughs> so, so it's awesome. Anything else you want to promote, Rob? Uh, no, that's it. Well, um, I also do some stuff for needcoffee.com. And, um, yeah, that's I'll a- be a Dragon Con. He might actually talk about some Doctor Who stuff there, too. I, I have a feeling you might. Maybe. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah I think so. And Mr. McCarthy. John, it's been too long, my friend. It's all awesome to see you. Great to see you, too. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was a load of fun. Anything you want to shout out about or promote? It's funny. I guess sort of in keeping with our topic of Mr. Wick tonight, I'll do a Mr. John Reese. We'll start watching, re-watching Person of Interest again. Ah. Oh, talk about a character who's almost like Batman or John almost Wick. Like Batman, yeah. yeah. A nice combo of the two, I think. Yeah. Oh, very much so. Very, very much so. Awesome character. Not so great actor, but that's a whole different story. But very cool. It's a great, great show, folks. If you haven't seen Person of Interest, it is cool. Very much so. Awesome, sir. And James. Sir, you've made it through your next episode. Yes, three down and hopefully many more to come. I hope so. I hope so. Anything you want to promote or shout out about? Well, I changed my mind. I was going to do something, but I'm going to do something else now. One of my buddies, Adzi Diaz, uh, is an artist on Etsy. He does a lot of commission work for cartoons, Star Trek, Star Wars, D&D. He can do single character. He can do group 
uh, for my D&D group. He's got one for uh, all of our characters and then a group one with the DM. Does amazing work. Catch him online at Etsy. It's Adzi Diaz Art, A-D-Z-H-I-D-I-A-S Art, A-R-T. That's awesome. That is awesome. Definitely check it out, folks. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another episode, my friend. We did, and as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about? Uh, I do. I uh, got lost uh, wandering around the station again this weekend and ended up uh, with the guys from Earth Station DCU again. Uh, this time they were reviewing the Batman. Uh, so I got to sit in and uh, uh, talk about the, that movie some more, which I love doing. Um, and uh, Jason Delatore was also a featured guest on that as well. And hadn't seen him for a while, so it was cool to spend some time with him and talk to the uh, Drew and Cletus about about the uh, newest DC movie. So you can check that out. I think it's going to be released in a few weeks because I think uh, Drew's a little bit behind in his scheduling. But uh, look for that to be released pretty soon. That is awesome. Totally awesome. I do appreciate you guys, you know, mixing and matching with other shows on the ESO Network. It's a good thing. And it's always fun to hear you up on that show. And it's, you know, we've popped up on a couple of other podcasts and it's always fun, you know, making cameos as we like to say. So it's kind of cool. I uh, got some great uh, feedback from me, my appearance actually on Geeky Dad podcast a couple of weeks ago. And folks have been writing me and folk, we've gotten some new listeners to ESO. So welcome, welcome. So Howdy. it's always nice to have new folks up here and hopefully we haven't scared people away, you know, which is always the best thing to do. So it's always cool. Um, for me, shout out wise, I want to give a huge, huge shout out to, of course, the return of Captain Picard to the Star Trek universe. Um, we have probably going to be talking about Picard towards the end of the season and after it wraps up. So it should always be fun to do. And it's, it's great to see, um, of course, John Delancey as Q and also, you know, some other familiar faces popping up and Star Trek's always a fun little, you know, escape for me. And I, something I used to watch with my dad growing up and, you know, him and I used to compare notes on, you know, when the next generation came on and such. And so it's always got a little bit of a meaning for me and such. So, you know, folks, it's always nice to have, share it with your family and share adventures and share tales. Hell, you could even share John Wick if you want, you know, it's, you know, a great thing to to spend with your family on a Saturday night, watching people get massacred. It's well, no, that's not a good thing, huh. especially, especially in these times. It's not a good thing to say, but it is, you know, really good that everyone is here and, you know, watching some really quality TV right now. We're also watching a show that's called The Righteous Gemstones, and we've started watching it on HBO. John Goodman and crew, it is frippin' awesome, especially if you grew up watching stuff like the 700 Club or huh. the, the Crystal Palace and, you know, all that kind of, you know, you know, please, won't you give us some money because Jesus has talked to me and, and everything like that. It's always fun to see people make fun of it. And the gemstones do an amazing job at it. Is that the, is that the one that features Walton Goggins? Yes, sir. Oh man. Anything he's in, uh, I need to watch. Oh, dude, I highly recommend it if you haven't. And it's, the second season just ended. So you definitely could get caught up on it if you have HBO. 
So definitely check it out. Speaking of checking it out, we're going to be, as Mike and I had mentioned, we're going to be at Atlanta Comic-Con this weekend, and we are going to be doing a couple different panels, and we are going to have samples of one of our panels for, as our next, you know, topic for next time. I have a feeling it's going to be our MCU panel that we're doing, or, you know, might even bring be bringing Doctor Who back to Earth Station One. You never know. Because, <laughs> you know, the Doctor Who panel, we wrote it that we were going to actually be talking all about who's going to be the next Doctor, because Atlanta Comic Con was originally supposed to be over the summer, and we had submitted the panels for it. Uh, guess what? It got moved to next week. They haven't announced that yet, so... <laughs> So we're going to be making things up on the fly. So it should be very interested to see what we come up with. So it'll be a grab bag of our episode next week, but it should be a ton of fun because we always love talking to the fans and talking to other geeks and everything. So it should be a lot, a lot of fun. So check us out then. Of course, we'd love to hear from you guys. Feedback at earthstation1.com is always a great place to go. But as always, thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, now including TuneIn Radio. Check us out. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, of course, James Cantu, Mr. Rob Levy, and John McCarthy, thank you so much, for everyone, for joining us. We will see you here next time. Folks, if you have loved ones over in Europe or in Ukraine, please Please keep them in your thoughts and prayers because, you know what, things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. And, you know what, we can only hope for some kind of peaceful way out of this thing. But can't say anything else about it because, you know, I've already got people saying, oh, you're getting political, Mike. You don't want to do that. This is supposed to be a fun ha-ha show. But I definitely think, folks, you know, Think of hug your loved one and think about how good we have it here. Just keep on thinking about that no matter what. We'll see you soon. Peace. We love you. And we'll talk. And we're done. Boom. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping at the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. 
I'm vengeance, 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 vengeance,